We are the ones who don't know what we're fighting for. Give us a gun and send us all off to war. So they could send us to the moon quarterback can feel like Dan Brock. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned.
Now being over the age of 40, one of Jay-Z's 99 problems has officially become a regular colonoscopy. If you understand that joke, take your daily multivitamin. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, I have got a glorious panel here with me to help break down the shit-talking and shenaniganry, the fuckery, and the fight announcements that have shaken down the pipe since we saw you wonderful folks last. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, we have been absent for a full two-week period of full shows, but we did do a show last week in YouTube short format. Uh, it is up on the YouTube short tab here on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe. For those of you who are unable to or do not want to watch YouTube shorts, I understand the entirety of all of those shorts have been thrown together in one video that will premiere once this live stream ends for you fine folks. And for the folks who only listen, it is compressed and I think it's a, a six minute total video with intro and outro in audio form that will debut right now over on anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe. So fret not, there is still last week's fun, although compressed. You can pick that up once this is done. That being said, before we get into all this week's fun, first and foremost, gentlemen, how the fuck are you guys doing over there? Another lovely day in the neighborhood with something to talk about. Feeling pretty damn good in the personal life, starting out my own home grow and shit like that. It's for this weekend's fights, so I don't know. It's fights. Yeah, I, I think we are in unanimous agreement. There are technically fights this weekend <laughs> that being said uh, as we like to kick things off around here first things first a little bit of news and recent events uh, fight announcements and just fight related things that have shaken down the information superhighway since we saw you wonderful folks last uh, first and foremost, tying into next weekend's UFC 292, uh, Jeff Neal is officially injured and out of his match with Ian Gary Machado. Uh, Ian Gary Machado has taken very vocally to social media in requesting Neil Magny as a last-minute replacement, and I'm not really sure if he thinks the Neals are interchangeable, but... It's an interesting call out to say the least. We still have not had any confirmation on if that's possible or if they're even going to look for a replacement fight. Ian Gary said he's going to be in Boston next week regardless. So it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out over the next couple of days here. Uh, in terms of the fight night championship organization fnc they are going to be hosting a live mma event inside of a roman coliseum built in 28 a.d in croatia september 2nd uh this is the second time there has been an mma event in modern times take place inside of a classic roman coliseum and there is a little bit of poetic irony in there if i do say so myself but we will see how that plays out as we get a little closer to September. Ish, I'm saying right now. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, that being said, when it comes to UFC 293 taking place September 10th down in Sydney, Australia, we got a couple of announcements this week pertaining to that card. Uh, the first one we got is that Casey O'Neill has broken her nose to such an extent 
she had to have surgery. So she is officially out of her match versus Viviani Arujo. And in an ironic twist of fate, Jennifer Maya, who is the first person to have defeated Casey O'Neill in MMA, is stepping in on short notice to replace her against Viviani Arujo down in Sydney. So again, a little bit of poetic irony in the news this week here. Um, then we got the big announcement when it comes to this 293 card. Uh, the one that everyone has been waiting for, I think. The marquee names. We have got officially straight from the horse's mouth the main and co-main event for UFC 293 down in Sydney. The co-main event will be Tai Tuivasa versus Vulcan Ozdemir. Uh, the main event, or excuse me, not Vulcan Ozdemir. There uh, we go. Fucking, yeah, the other Vulcan. Yeah. Alexander uh, Volkov. Alexander, yeah. The other Volk. Yeah. Uh, and the main event will be, as manifested, Israel Adesanya versus Sean Strickland. It appears that the visa issues that they were worried about Sean Strickland having due to his checkered past, I say with air quotes, uh, have been alleviated and all things are cleared. I's are dotted. T's have been crossed. Signatures are dried. We have ourselves a main and co-main for Sydney, boys and girls. Hmm. You know, something about that tells me it's going to be a long time before we see Drickus Duplessis get his shot at Izzy now because he I failed agree. to take the opportunity. Yeah, lit literally the path was laid out for him. His road to a title shot was manifested for him, and all he had to do was walk the road, and he decided that he would rather take his time and do things his way and it very well literally may have cost him his potentially only ever title shot opportunity so we'll have to see and that's also assuming that the surgery that he now has to undergo comes out correctly as well because we've seen more than a few situations where a seemingly routine surgery turns into a career ender because of something that didn't heal right shit look at Weidman <laughs> Yeah, we will see as we get a little closer. Sydney's card is definitely starting to get loaded up. So we'll see how that plays out as we get a little closer. <clears throat> Excuse me. We did get a bit of an interesting announcement this week from Scott Coker in regards to the Bellator 300 card. And I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, UFC is only on 200 something. How is Bellator already at three? Because Bellator has been a lot more liberal with their pay-per-view-esque numbering system, whereas the UFC predominantly only gives numbers to an event that's a pay-per-view. Um, but the Bellator 300 card is going to take place in San Diego on October 7th, and it will be, as far as I'm aware, the first major organization in the modern era to put on a four-title fight main card they are going to have ryan bader take on big swarm linton vassell cyroy i mean uh cyborg has apparently re-signed and will be fighting kat zingano usman Nurmagomedov will be defending his belt against brett primus and alimale mcfarlane will be taking on liz carmouche so there is a four belt lineup 
for that Bellator 300 card. Now, what they do with the rest of that card will be very important, and we will definitely be paying attention as we get a little closer to October. But four title fights on a card, I believe it's the first time in the modern era we've had a major organization do that. We see two title fights on a lot of pay-per-views, but four is a lot of title fights to put. That's going to make that fight or that card rather at least an hour longer than it normally would have been because there's four 25 minute fights plus round breaks in there on top of everything else. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to say the least. Um, Now the week following Bellator 300, we've got a very interesting match in the misfits prime boxing nine event. Uh, headlined by KSI versus Tommy Fury. And we had an interesting ad, excuse me, an interesting addition to that card this week in the form of the new co-main event for that Misfits card in the form of Logan Paul, older of the Paul brothers, versus Dylan Dennis. Now, this isn't just the stereotypical once every four months we get Dylan Dennis assigned a contract to fight someone and then he's going to pull out last minute. This one's a little bit different, and I don't do this very often, but I am going to take this one singular opportunity here to tip my cap to Logan Paul for actually being smarter than the average bear in getting Dylan Dennis to sign a $100,000 pullout clause to this fight if for any reason he pulls out of this fight he must be medically evaluated by a non-partisan doctor of the other parties choosing to verify that the injury a is real and b was significant enough to cause him to pull out ergo a hundred g forfeited out the fucking gate that might be something that other people who are trying to get Dylan Dennis out of the woodwork should fucking pay attention to, because that's pretty goddamn clever, in my opinion. Whether the fight's actually going to be worth a shit or not, I highly fucking doubt that. But throwing a $100,000 bitch-out clause on the contract? That's using the old kidneys a little bit. I'm, I like that. That being said... November 4th, UFC Sao Paulo. Rodrigo Nascimento versus Dontale Miles are rematching. They fought once upon a time in a arguably horrible Waller slap fight. Well, they're doing it again, and they're doing it down in Brazil because I think it's going to be different when they bring the big boy back home. So we will have to see how that plays out. I doubt it, but you never know. Sometimes Brazilians put on ex spectacular performance when you get them back home and you just don't see that anywhere else. This could be one of those times. We'll see. Um, We got confirmation this week that after last week's, or excuse me, two weeks ago now's uh, Japan event and the Super Ryzen 2 uh, Bellator Ryzen crossover event that Patricio Pitbull is now going to undergo surgery for herniated discs in his back and is going to be out until at the very least mid 2024 that's again like we talked about earlier assuming that everything goes correct and he heals properly that's a big surgery that a lot of people generally tend to avoid and he's taking it in what is arguably the tail end of his mma career so it's got to be pretty serious but at the same time that's a very serious operation to undergo as well so 
we will definitely keep an eye on that and hope he gets the best results possible from that. We got a couple of interesting ones to round out the new segment here. Um, There were murmurs about this one and everybody just kind of dismissed it for the most part, but apparently now it is real. And again, it has come directly from the horse's mouth. So we know it's legitimate. Um, Though done with MMA officially Fedor Emelianenko now wants to suit up the gloves and step into the squared circle and wants to do some boxing. He has seen the resurgent of other retired MMA fighters stepping into the squared circle and having great success. Feels that he could do the same, but he's got a bit of an odd pair of callouts that he made, um, especially considering that he is, you know, approaching 50 years old rapidly. Uh, the first one was obviously Jake Paul, because everyone who crosses over into boxing wants to fight Jake Paul. They think that's where it's at. Uh, there has been no response as there shouldn't be in that situation. But the other one that he called out that there are rumors might be a response from was Mike Tyson himself. I'm not sure what kind of real good Russian grass they have got Fedor smoking over there to think that he could step into the ring with even the current rendition of Iron Mike Tyson and survive, let alone win. But it's got to be good because especially coming up to train Nganu versus Tyson Fury, Mike Tyson's still very, very capable and very dangerous. Uh, I, I don't know that that's the smartest thing that Fedor could have done, but there are several rumors now from highly reputable sources that Tyson is looking into how to make this a real possibility. So Fedor... Careful what you wish for. You might get more smoke than anticipated, my man. Um, that being said, uh, the Nigerian nightmare himself, Aluminum Mike Perry, has officially re-signed a multi-fight deal with BKFC, and David Feldman said that things are now officially in the works, that the contract has been signed, that Mike Perry should be back in the ring before the end of the year, and they are looking to get him to a title fight as quickly as possible. So seeming to have found his new home, Mike Perry is going to be the face of BKFC for the foreseeable future, I think funny look at his head face maybe uh he really does fit in there really well uh speaking of signings though uh we got a pair of announcements of signings from pfl uh the first one they have signed a multi-year deal which is a strange way to phrase that with clarissa shields to fight mma for PFL not to box, even though the PFL is talking about putting on some potential boxing matches now that both Amanda Serrano and Clarissa Shields are signed as PFL fighters. But we'll see how that works out. The other one and the far more interesting, in my opinion, announcement that they made was PFL has officially signed the Lazy King. That is correct. Abdul Abrahimov has officially been signed by the PFL. For those not in the know, this is one of the baddest current practitioners of jujitsu circulating Europe. He is the double division 
Aries FC welter and middleweight champion and has fought for several other notable organizations with, I believe last I looked 17 of his last 19 fights won by submission before the end of the second round. This man is genuinely dangerous and has been flying way too low under the radar, in my opinion, and PFL managed to snag him up. All I'm saying is Wu Tang boys, Wu Tang. Protect your fucking neck. That dude's coming to choke bitches out. Um, The last one here, kind of a strange signing, but something that I think a lot of us anticipated. We got confirmation today that Derek, the Black Beast Lewis, has officially signed an eight-fight contract extension with the UFC. This situation is very interesting to me, considering that he talked after his last fight about the fact that he was a free agent, knowing damn well all he had to do was walk across the street to PFL, and he is guaranteed a $2 million purse for one rematch with Francis Ngannou at the bare minimum, knowing UFC has the right of refusal and the matching clause in their contracts. I am willing to bet that they told Derek Lewis, we will pay you way more than $2 million. You just have to sign this contract. And to justify that giant paycheck, they turned it into eight fights, which means in all likelihood, two to three fights from now, when Derek Lewis really gets fucked up and decides he's had enough and he retires, the UFC won't have to pay him the other 1.4 million or whatever it is on the tail end of that contract because he won't be fighting that out to completion. Perplexing, confusing, frustrating, all words that I don't feel are strong enough for how this announcement played out. But it does tie directly into the other announcement that... I have to say, I'm genuinely a little bit surprised. I watched four other MMA broadcasts today, and only one of them even made mention of this. And it is quite literally possibly the single largest piece of news in the combat sports world in our lifetime. <clears throat> Excuse me. The class action lawsuit against the UFC has officially been put forward it is a go the judge's wording on this case is something that i encourage everyone to go read for themselves i do want to read just a little snippet here so people can understand part of why this is such a big deal and this is directly from the judge himself and i quote because zufa fighters do not get paid unless they fight this enables Zufa to use various strategies related to the timing, placement, number, and opponents of a fighter's bouts to coerce fighters into renewing their contracts early or extending their contracts in order to simply earn a paycheck. Ties a lot 
into what we just talked about with Derek Lewis ties a whole fucking lot into what we talked about with Wonder Boy and Dana White coming out trying to give his bullshit spiel about how you don't get money just for weighing in, which, spoiler alert, that's the definition of fucking show money. But we've also learned this week throughout the announcement of the uh, class action lawsuit going forward and several UFC contracts being made public information. There is no such thing as win money and show money. There is fight money and there is bonus money. That is the verbiage in the contracts of the UFC. And now that is not to say that it is in every UFC contract that way, but in every single UFC contract that has been made public knowledge, it is phrased that way. There is no show money. You don't get paid to make weight. You get paid to step into the cage, period, regardless of the outcome. If, if, you win upon stepping in that cage, you are then eligible for a bonus from that win. There is no win in show money like Dana has been trying to tell people the entirety of the UFC's existence. There are so many more details about this class action lawsuit. I would love to spend another hour and a half, and I promise you I could easily talking about the details that have been revealed from Lorenzo's bragging emails about how openly they ran out their competitors that have been subpoenaed and are being used against them to Dana holding the picture of the fucking tombstone of all the organizations that the UFC ran out of business and creating their own monopoly. I could go on for a literal another hour on this, but this is literally going to change the landscape of mixed martial arts going forward. August 9th, 2023 will legitimately be remembered in the future as a day that changed combat sports. UFC contracts as a whole in their nature, as they exist, their structured system are about to be completely fucking obliterated and in doing so it is going to send unavoidable ripples through the entirety of the combat sports world there is a potential it is not official yet it is not gone down yet but there is a potential that this judge could put down that future mixed martial arts combat or excuse me mixed martial arts contracts from the ufc and anyone else can no longer be for any duration longer than a set amount of time. The amount of time they've been considering has been two years. Think about that sentence. That means that as soon as this case is finished, every existing mixed martial arts contract in the country for every single organization instantly becomes null and void by federal law and must be reevaluated with no longer than a two-year maximum clause. So every two years, every fighter from every organization can go to any other organization they want that will rule out a non-compete clause. You will be able to go anywhere, anytime your two years is up, if that's passed as an example, just like they do in boxing nowadays. You see guys sign three fights with matchbox or matchbook rather 
three three fights with ESPN, three fights with fucking Golden Boy. They get to move after a set amount of time or a set amount of bouts. They're not locked in like the UFC has fighters right now. And that's going to happen to every organization across the fucking board. This is genuinely going to shake up mixed martial arts from the fucking core. Like I said, it's not official. We don't have the deadline ruled out just yet, but the fact that this is going forward and there are multiple citations directly in regards to things like this is serious news that combat sports fans need to pay attention to. That's why I'm going off about it now. I promise you, I'm holding back. I promise you. Might not sound like it. I'm holding back. This is big news, folks. This is big. That being said, Dana White still sucks. We've unfortunately made it another week where he hasn't faced real world consequences for slapping his wife. And no, Dana, having to live with those consequences or having, excuse me, having to live with the knowledge of it is not a consequence. That being said, either one of you gentlemen have anything news related that I might have missed this week? No, you touched on the only ones that I thought were of importance, so. No problem for me. That was a great way to finish up these. So. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So, that being said, uh, if you're an old head like some of us are and you've been consuming combat sports for a long time, it's easy to get set in your ways and you know what you like and you know when it comes on, you know how to watch it. And sometimes getting in that rhythm will inadvertently develop you a set of blinders to the new and the fresh, the up and coming, and you just get set in your ways. Well, lucky for us here on the show, we have ourselves a genuine bona fide young person that can just finger the pulse of MMA ever so elegantly and keep us in touch with the new, the up and coming, the freshest things that we need to keep our eye out before it becomes a household name and a little segment that we like to call slows cans and contenders. Appreciate you, brother. So, thank God the Ultimate Fighter's almost done. One more fucking week of that shit, and then we'll figure out which damn, you know, washed-up veterans that are getting their second chance at the UFC are going to be in that live finale and shit. Not looking forward to that. But we got the Contender Series back. We had a couple of good fights. You know, Dana White, he does his good old bullshit, hands out five contracts. Everybody that won gets a contract. Not really deserving. There was only two finishes on the, the entire card out of the five fights. But two guys really impressed me. One of them, Peyton Talbot, young kid, 24 years old. Yeah, Bantamweight, yeah, undefeated, 6-0. Absolutely dominated this fight. Broke uh, the Bantamweight record for most significant strikes in a single fight, 147. 147 significant strikes went in there and just put an absolute clinic on this kid. Uh, did some fun little trickery, too, you know. There's some, some of the stuff that you guys haven't always liked, like Michelle Pereira kind of shit. Or, he reminded me more of Alex Corsaris. Being able to fly around, you know, kind of do front flips, you know, crazy, un, unpredictable shit, trying to whip you in the face with a front flip kick, you know. It was, it was interesting, but the kid definitely went out there, dominated. He's really young, got a lot to build off of. And then uh, his maturity is what really impressed me. You know, just going out there and winning, 
than staying humble, saying that he's just going to be a corporate slave for Dana White for the next few years. We know Dana White's a piece of shit. And yeah, they are pretty much slaves. But the kid having that mentality that he, you're going to just put your nose down, do fucking work, and you know you got to, for years, work your way up to really get yourself somewhere, even if you win every fight you have. That's normally how you do it. You got to climb your way up. Love that shit. Love the kid's personality and everything. So looking forward to uh, commentators, Laura Senko, Brandon Fitzgerald, talking about reminding them of Sean O'Malley, this Peyton Talbot kid. Oh, he's like Sean O'Malley. Now, he said he fucking hated that comparison. He says, no, fuck that dude. He, he couldn't stand the Sean O'Malley comparison. It pissed him the fuck off. Reminds me of more Alex Corsaris. Kids exciting as hell. Looking forward to him making his debut, hopefully later this year. I know the UFC likes doing that shit. You know, they have these guys come on the contender series, and there's still a handful of months left in the year. They, oh, let's wait till next year to get them on. Well, you know, if they're exciting to get them in there. Let's see what they can actually do. We also got this kid, Tom Nolan, going there in the first round, about a minute and a half into the fight. Duty's fighting. They're just kind of going at it back and forth. He clips him with a good left, puts the kid down, and just finishes him off with a violent fucking overhand. That's what really put the guy to sleep. Looked like it killed him. He's definitely impressive. Lightweight Australian. He's 7 and 0. Five finishes by knockout. He's won his last four fights by knockout. So exciting shit. We'll see what the both of them can do in their debuts. As for this weekend's card, not the most exciting shit. We've got some cans here for you. i got to throw J.P. Bays on the, the can side for this weekend. 0-3 in the UFC, and I don't see him getting a win against Marcus McGee. Yeah, I love I love the kid's story and the fact that you know, he seems like a decent guy. He's been through a lot of shit. You'd love to root for him. Yeah, you know, I see TJ keeps putting up four. You know, my research was three. Either way, it doesn't matter. He hasn't won a single fight. You got to throw him in the trash can. I don't think he's going to win again this week. You know, as much as I'd like to root for the kid because of his story, you know, his girlfriend fucking cheating on him, leaving him for Roman Delice. You know, he's been through a lot of shit. I don't think he's going to get it this weekend. You got Juliana Miller. It looked like absolute garbage in her UFC debut. Uh, somehow won the Ultimate Fighter, you know. She only had a few fights as a professional. Uh, she's fighting a chick, Luana Santos, who's got six fights as pro, making her debut. It's just that little bit of extra experience. And uh, Juliana showing that she doesn't really have any talent, you know, anywhere. She just looked horrible in her debut against a mediocre fighter. And Veronica Hardy. So don't expect anything out of her throwing in the trash. Fight that we're throwing in the trash. Jamie Pickett versus Josh Friend. I think both of these guys probably shouldn't be in the UFC. Maybe Friend wins this, and then he's 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Maybe he gets a finish, then both of his wins are by finish. So yeah. but I'm not excited about this fight at all. You can throw in the trash for me. Not wasting my time watching that one. And then the last one, Pollyanna Viana, throwing her in the trash as well. And back and forth throughout her time in the UFC, four and four. Just don't 
see her having much ability here. The contenders I'm looking forward to, the opposite side of throwing J.P. Bays in the can. You got Marcus McGee. He, he looks really fucking good in his debut. Didn't expect it at all. Goes out there, beats Journey Newsom. Fucking blows me the hell away. Gets the submission on him in the second round. Looks fantastic. Let's see what he does in the second fight. And then against J.P. Bays, who's probably going to look pretty fucking good. You know, is TJ correct me? 0 and 4 so far in the UFC. That's, that's not good for you, brother. So, McGee's probably going to look pretty good again. We'll see how he does further on down the road. We got a fight that I'm putting in the contender spot Francis Marshall versus Isaac Dolgarian. Isaac Dolgarian from Kansas City. All five of his professional fights won by fucking finish. Every one of them on our fucking Kansas City promotion. Fighting Alliance Championship, the FAC, making his USC debut. I cannot help but root for this kid, even if he's got a tough fucking challenge ahead of him than Francis Marshall, 24-year-old with a lot of finishing ability. The kid's looked good since he got in the UFC, even though he's just one and one. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited for this one. This is a couple of those smaller guys that are probably going to go out there and throw the fuck down and put on an exciting-ass fight. So, got to throw this fight in the contenders. You got Yasmin Lucindo. You got a ladies contender. She, just like Yasmin Jeregi, who we've been hyping up as well. You know, that fight last year in August was fucking fantastic. One of the ladies' fights of the year. Looking forward to this. She's 21 years old. 19 professional fights. I mean, come the fuck on. She's still got so much room to grow, but she's already got 19 pro fights, eight of them by knockout, you know, eight wins by knockout. Yeah. How can you not be excited for this girl? And then you got Terrence McKinney stepping up on what, two weeks' notice here. Just fucking lost July 15th. It was literally a few weeks ago. Terrence McKinney loses to Nazim Sadiq. Fuck it. I'll step up. I'll take a short notice fight, and he's probably going to fucking win. He's fighting Mike Breeden. The dude's 0-2 in the UFC. He's going to go out there and lay him the fuck out or submit him and get himself bounced back. Even if T-Rex has been back and forth in the UFC, the kid's still young as hell. He's got potential. I'm always going to throw him to the contender side. He's just fun as hell. So that's what I've got. What do you boys have? Any cans or contenders for this weekend's card? As mediocre as it is? All right, well, we'll just go ahead and I'm going to jump right on the back of this here. Just like I said, 0-4. JP buys, get the fuck out of here. He he ain't selling anything. The only thing he's buying is a one-way ticket out of the fucking UFC this weekend. Also, another one I want to add to the list, Josh Parisian. He's been an absolute shit show to watch. And look, I like watching some good walrus slap fights, but he is not putting on any good walrus slap fights at all. Get your heavyweight ass to fucking run and try to make that light heavyweight in some other organization. Maybe that'll help you, and then you can come back as a light heavyweight. Right now, got no good, no good coming for you. On the other side of that coin, yes, Terrence McKinney under two weeks short notice coming in to face a fucking well. I'll just say it's kind of like it's kind of like. 
you just broke up with your long-term girlfriend. You go out to the bar. You have the one-night stand. Mike Breeden is that one-night stand where you were willing to chew your own arm off to get out of the fucking room at the end of the night. So Terrence McKinney, stock goes back up there. And the other one that I'm looking forward to is, as a whole, this fight is a light heavyweight fight. Cleo Roundtree and Chris Dawkins. I don't know what it is about this fight, but something tells me it's going to be a little bit crazy, depending on which Khalil Roundtree shows up. Because he's either fucking super hot or fucking cold as shit. And if he's cold as shit, Chris Dawkins is going to knock him out and we all win. If he shows up hot, we might get a little bit of a firefight in the light heavyweight division. So I think that might be a contender fight right there. Worth the watch. So I half agree with uh with TJ. Uh that round tree fight is is definitely going to be interesting. That's actually where my can for the card sits in the form of Chris Dawkins. Uh Khalil Roundtree, to his credit, has had all of his quote unquote cold moments when he was trying to cut down to middleweight. Since he has found his home at light heavyweight and hasn't had to cut as much weight. He has become Jan Blahovich-esque, we'll say, in that every heavyweight coming down or middleweight trying to go up that has come into him has had a bad time. Chris Dawkins isn't cutting weight because he wanted more options. He's cutting weight because he got his ass pummeled at heavyweight and he couldn't fucking survive up there anymore and he knew it. I don't think this weight cut is going to go very well. I don't think this fight is the fight that he should have taken for a debut at light heavyweight. I don't think Chris Dawkins sees the end of the night with his consciousness intact. I think Khalil puts him the fuck out. He is my can of the evening. Now, on the other side of that, my contender of the evening is flying so far under the radar, I don't know if people know that she's fighting this weekend. Montserrat Canejo came into the UFC with an absolutely earn blazing hot fucking reputation had one little hiccup where she got thrown to the deep end ahead of where she was ready for it and most people have completely written her off and i am not in that fucking column i'm still waving the fucking montserrat flag i'm telling you right now she's gonna put on a show this weekend i have confidence in that girl she's got what it takes she just got a rough go of things a little earlier than she was ready for it this fight is a little more where she should have been to begin with, and I think she's going to show up and show out. Yeah, that Lemos fight was a little bit too early for her. Uh, I like it for the both of you. And I, I agree with the, the ladies' pick there for the meter. Definitely think she's going to fucking turn out pretty good this weekend. An interesting fight, too. Jacqueline Amore, I, I looked at, interestingly, going into her debut, and then she looked like absolute trash. She's supposed to be a submission specialist, and she got dominated on the ground, held up against the fence, and held on the ground the entire fight against uh, Sam Hughes. So, yeah, definitely don't see Amore looking too hot in this one. That's <laughs> Sam Hughes can do that to you? Think of what Montserrat's going to be able to do because Montserrat did get worked by Lemos, but like I said, that was way ahead of when she was ready for it, and we know what Lemos is capable of. She's fighting for the fucking title next weekend for crying out loud. So, 
Yeah, I, I think Montserrat's going to bounce back here and he's going to put on a show. I got faith in that girl, damn it. Definitely agree. Good shit to keep our eyes out for. Appreciate you, boys. That's it for me. Time to hear from TJ. <laughs> Good shit. Thank you very much, sir. So, for those of you who don't know, there are zero sponsors for this podcast. We don't do the sponsor thing. This podcast is quote unquote sponsored by Patreon. If you would like to help out what we do around here, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe is the way to do it. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us do what we do. And you get your name as a thank you on the end of every broadcast on this channel. Now, that being said, this is a segment that requires its own disclaimer. <clears throat> Maybe me. Tapology.com does not in any way, shape, or form support, sponsor, or endorse the I'm No Joe podcast. Yet. That being said, Tapology.com does offer you the option to go on their website, create a free account, and make joints, or excuse me, to make groups of people to make an account with, taking picks just like we do here on the show. In MMA and a fantasy style game, we made a group on that site. It's called I'm No Bookie, all one word, or Group 965. However, you need to search and find it. It is open to the public, and you are more than welcome to come join that group and put your picks head to head against ours in a little thing that we go over. We call it Tapology with TJ. So we're going to jump right into the nitty gritty this week because. Kind of a wild fucking weekend last weekend with the sand hanging font thing. Before I even get into any rankings, um, whoever is in charge of our group needs to remove True BJ Gaming because he has an animated GIF of a one absolute piece of shit fighter that shouldn't be allowed as any picture anywhere as your avatar. Get fucked. You Italian stallion writing piece of shit. You, you can go in and look on your free time. Um, now, coming in the top spot here, Donna is back in the top spot once again. Riding the high horse in eight correct at a 565. Not bad. Oh, here's where things got really fucking tight this week. Between, there's only two of us that didn't get seven or more. So everybody from second all the way down to fucking third to last there was seven or better on their pick. So it was really only a one fight difference between winning and losing this week. Again, everybody did get at least 50% or more. So we have to tip our hats to that. But my man of the hour goes too. Not who you're thinking. Don. Don is the man of the hour. After back to back to back to back weeks, I think it was four weeks in a row, of running over his dick, tripping over it, playing double dutch, fucking lighting it on fire. Whatever he was doing, he finally managed to pull himself out of that bottom spot, albeit he scraped just barely enough to sit there. He is no longer in the bottom spot. Our boy Vinny, though, he did down a solid, took that bottom spot. Not to be outdone, because our boy Meter there was fighting Vinny for that bottom spot to see who was going to be the nice guy and let Don rise above. 
or the cream rise to the top in that occasion. For those of you who've been around long enough, you'll understand that reference. But now that, look, it was still close. Because even though, even Vinny, six correct picks. He was only two picks off the lead. Anybody could have won this week. Come join the group. Get shit talked about you. Um, somebody needs to figure out what the fuck Donna is smoking or where she's getting all of her information because uh, she's running away with it. And I'm, you know, when she first jumped in the group, I thought it was fucking just beginner's luck. Obviously, she's got insider trading knowledge, and we might need to contact the FCC or something about this because I'm pretty sure. There's something illegal going on here. You shouldn't win this many fucking weeks. Look, Christian, I know you like to be up by that top a lot, but fuck, man, Donna is beating the brakes off of you, too. She's been running running the show, and we need to fix that. So please, join the group, 965. I'm no bookie. We need another uh, hand in here to try to put her back down towards the bottom somehow. Thank Don, stop giving up all of your good information and then taking her picks. That's what I'm telling you. That way you can stay out of the bottom spot now. But in the meantime, enjoy doing dishes in that household. Now, um, that'll bring us into this week's uh, wonderful odds this week, which surprisingly enough, or not surprising at all to most, we really don't have any super crazy odds. There are a couple marginally wide odds um but for the most part they're all pretty close to coin flips um one of the widest on the entire card is surprisingly enough the jamie pickett and josh friend fight they have friend coming in as a minus 355 favorite over jamie pickett as a plus 280 underdog and actually no i missed one in there um, the JP buys and fucking Marcus McGee. We got McGee, a minus three sixty favorite, where he belongs in this case, and JP is a plus two eighty five underdog. Which, to be honest, I think they could have swung that a little farther, being as he's on a four fight skid dating all the way back to two thousand and seventeen. Since he's been in the UFC, two thousand seventeen, scumbucket, get him out. Um. And that the uh, everything else is pretty close to pickums. I mean, you got a Damon Blackshear and Jose Johnson. Uh Blackshear coming in as a minus two ninety favorite. Johnson coming in as a plus two thirty-five. The one I did want to make note of though, T Rex coming in on under two weeks notice. A minus two seventy-eight favorite over a plus two twenty-five Mike Breeden. Those are some cool odds to see coming in on that super short notice like that. But everything else across the board, pretty close to coin flips. Nothing's wide. You're not going to make a lot of fucking money this week if you're if you're a betting man. Um, best bet to make big money is to do some crazy stupid parlay and pray to God it works out. Because, yeah, parlays pay out better, but they're usually stupid bets. So if you're in that kind of mood, that's where you're going to make your money this week. Not from individual fights. Unless you're picking individual fights where you say, oh, this knockout's going to happen in this round. If you can pull that off in a betting manner, be my guest. Look, we do it on the on tapology, and it doesn't always work. When it does, it pays off. 
but it's a lot fewer and farther between than when it actually hits. So know that, but odds again, they're it's either the they're doing great matchmaking, which I call bullshit, or again, Vegas is still scared of getting those wide odds in there when some of those fights deserve wide odds. You know, here we fucking are again. Don't forget, join the group. I'm no bookie, group 965 on Tapology. Let us know who you are. We'll talk shit about you, praise you when you've done well. That's how this works. Even if I am the shit bag, I will run my own dick over live on air. Have no problem doing it. That's how that works. That's what we got this week. Thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated for that. So before we get to the marquee, uh, there is a, a fairly full fight menu for this weekend as well. Uh, for those of you lunatics who are up at the ass crack of dawn, it's 7.30 a.m. Central Time tomorrow morning in just a couple of fucking hours. Uh, one Friday night fights, because they're on the other side of the globe, 28 kicks off. Uh, MMA and Muay Thai mixed, legitimate mixed martial arts card top to bottom here. Again, not a lot of names that the average casual person is going to recognize, but I'm telling you now there's going to be some good fights. on Tomorrow evening. 5.30 p.m. Central Time, Bellator 298, Storley versus Ward. This, in my opinion, is the best overall card of the weekend. There are a lot of good fights on the UFC card. There are a lot of important fights on the Bellator card. Maybe not all of them biggest names, but they are all, or for the most part, very relevant to their division or to the title picture in their individual divisions there. Uh, Logan Storley versus Ward, maybe not the best main event in my opinion, but I feel like that co-main event, Moldovsky versus tall Steve Mowry, is, is probably going to make up the difference there. That being said, Saturday afternoon, kicking off at 1 p.m. Central Time, Anthony Joshua versus Robert Helania stepping in on last minute short notice, which doesn't traditionally happen in boxing very often because apparently Dillion White just loves that same horse meat that Overeem used to love so fucking much and couldn't get himself cleared because he's hotter than a motherfucker right now. But Helanius is going to step up to get his ass whipped in the O2 arena. Um, Derek Chisora getting back at it after Tyson Fury beat the fucking brakes off of him. So there's going to be a couple of interesting boxing matches if you're looking for squared circle action this weekend. But that will bring us to the reason we are all here. UFC Vegas 78 kicking off prelims at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time over on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Like I said, not a lot of great things to talk about, but there are a couple of good ones here. So I'm curious if you gentlemen have a particular fight that seems to be flying under the radar here. I know there's a couple to choose from, but I know there are a couple of good fights here that just aren't getting any love from the greater press. Wondering if you guys have any particular favorites. We all know my that monster out fight. I'm fucking glued to the TV for that. <laughs> All right, well, since Christian don't want to take it, I was trying to give him prerogative there. I will take it. Say, to be honest, I'm excited to watch T-Rex come in. 
but that's been kind of all over the news being as he's been taking it on short notice now from the other side of that for one that i think is flying a little more under the radar is the aj dobson and stefan and chukwi because in chukwi's got some knockout power got big hands man and he's fun to watch there's something look i'll say there's something about those guys from africa from not south africa but other smaller countries in South Africa or war-torn countries like Cameroon was that they're just fucking built different. AJ Dobson, I hope you're ready because Chukwe's a fucking tough fucking cookie to crack there. Yeah, it's a tough out for damn sure. I Honestly, I don't know if Dobson's up to it, but I think it's going to be a good fight to find out. Uh, well, for me, I'm going to go back to what I was talking about on my contender segment, man. Isaac Delgarian versus Francis Marshall. This is one of the fights I'm the most excited for. It's mainly because of the hometown guy, you know. Isaac Delgarian getting his debut from Kansas City. Got a root for the boy there. But Francis Marshall's looked pretty damn good since he came into the UFC. This is a good featherweight fight, too. Really young guys with some serious finishing potential. This could be a really exciting back and forth fight. We're going to see which one of these prospects comes out on top. Hope is the hometown boy. I'm damn excited for this fight. It hasn't been talked about for shit. You know why? They're both young as hell. They got a lot of work to do. Sometimes you should hype up the prospects. I guess that's why you guys give me the opportunity to talk like I do every week. Appreciate it. <laughs> damn right. So. Now, on the other side of that one, I'm very curious here. Neither one, the main or the co-main event, have any implications in the title picture for either fucking division here. Vicente Luque, we'll talk about in a minute here in Rafael de Sanjos. I'm curious. Mean Hakeem Dawadu has had a hell of a run in the UFC, but you would genuinely be hard-pressed to find somebody on the UFC roster right now active fighting that's been doing it longer or more notably than Cub Swanson. But at the same time, like I said a minute ago, this isn't even in the realm of discussion for getting towards a title picture. So my, my question here is, what are these gentlemen in the co-main event fighting for? My opinion, as much as I hate to say it, fucking walking papers. Because both of them have been, for their last four or five fights, they're all win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Don't get me wrong. I have all the respect in the world for Cub Swanson. He's been around the UFC for a long fucking time. And at one point, he was a boogeyman. Fuck yeah. Unfortunately, just like all fighters, as you age, that boogeyman status goes away because the lights get flipped on and everybody can see under the bed. Dawadu, still very fucking young, but because he can't get a streak together... That makes it hard to say, hey, he needs to stay here. 
I mean, he's 31 years old, so technically he's coming into his fighting prime, usually around 32 to 34 years old fighting prime for a lot of fighters. Don't get me wrong, some peak earlier, but most are around that mid that early 30s category. But he hasn't been consistent enough for a reason to keep him. I mean, don't get me wrong. The problem is, is, as much as I would like to think that they're fighting for walking papers, Neither one of them are going to get walking papers if they fucking lose. Worst comes to worst, they, they're they going to both, one of the two is going to end up on a back-to-back -back losing streak because they both lost their last fights, which to me that makes this interesting because knowing that they've been back and forth hot and cold, they should both come in pretty hot to this fight and we might see some fireworks. Do I think so? Nah, not so much so. But I really hope somebody is fighting for walking papers because at this point, as much as I love Cub, it's time to hang him up, buddy. I want you to still be able to form complete sentences and have a half a mind to know what the fuck you're going to do after you're done. And Akeem, maybe it's time you go back to a different fucking promotion Get a couple more fights under your belt where you get that confidence back where you came in like you initially came into the UFC, looking like you were going to be a world breaker. And come on back. Maybe that uh, two-year stint deal that might come up if this whole fucking thing pans out the way we hope it does. But at this point, I think they're fighting for walking papers as much as I hate to say it. On my end, I, I kind of agree with what TJ's saying. They potentially, you know, deserve to be on their way out. But I also agree the part that he touched on, neither one of them will probably be on their way out, even if they lose this fight. I think what they're fighting for here, you know, DeWudo, he's 6-3 and three in the UFC. So there's only three losses, you know, he's been in the UFC. He's, they're both one and two out of their last three fights. So as well, like TJ said, they both should come out with a little bit of fire since they haven't done the greatest, you know, both of them hopefully trying to make that comeback. But I think DeWudo, he's kind of fighting for that name. Like, you're getting a name. You're getting a Hall of Famer. If he beats Cub Swanson and gets a little name for him, if he gets that win, maybe pushes him up a little bit, right? For Cub, I guess it's more of the legacy kind of thing. You know, fight a dude that's got some talent still, kind of a middle-of-the-pack fighter, see if in my later years I can still beat some of these younger guys that are pretty damn good and finish out on top. But he's been kind of back and forth his whole career, even if he is a Hall of Famer. You know, definitely love Cubby, but 13-9, you know, he had more than 20 fights in the UFC. You know, it's been somewhat back and forth. There's definitely no championship like Meter Touchdown that he's fighting for. It's just, I guess that, you're fighting for the pride. You're fighting for the legacy to add on to the wins. Like most of us would already say, he deserves to go to the hall already so he could hang it up, be just fine. But I think it's Cubs fighting for pride. DeWudo, he's fighting for a name. You get the Hall of Famer under your belt and maybe steps him back up towards contendership. 
like TJ said, the potential that he had when he got in, but he's kind of lost as of late. Hopefully, though, the biggest thing, like TJ said, they both got the fire under them, and we just get a decent fight for a co-main event. That's what they're at, like the UFC's idea was. Oh, this seems like a good matchup. This could be a good fight. We'll see. Hope so. <laughs> I can agree with that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me. It kind of feels... Like these two are ultimately fighting for gatekeeper status. Which one of them is going to be the name that hangs at 16 essentially? So they don't get the number, but you're the guy that somebody's got to beat to get into those ranked numbers. Because obviously, neither one of them are trying to make a run or are going to make a run anytime soon on the records that they've been running with right now. But they're both still significant enough names and they both had enough big wins. I feel like they're kind of both fighting to, to set, excuse me, to cement themselves as the, the gatekeeper for featherweight. That being said, that'll bring us to the marquee of the weekend. Vicente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos. So I mentioned it a minute ago. This one as well, it's number 10 versus number nine. There would have to be a catastrophic accident for this fight to result in title implications. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Stranger things have happened, but realistically speaking, this is probably not going to put either gentleman on a short list for a title picture. My question here. RDA is obviously still trying to make a run, so he needs this win to put himself in the discussion or get a fight closer to that discussion. But Luque, like has been in the news this week, has been on the sideline for a literal calendar year going through test after test after test because in his last fight, he had a fucking brain bleed. Now, nobody questions how tough Vicente Luque is, but is this one of those situations where a fighter is such a fighter to their core where he can't walk away from this, that he has to come back? Or is this genuinely Vicente Luque had a hiccup, something happened and, and he's back on track trying to get back into things here. This falls into one of those sketchy situations. Like I'm not even going to talk about who who wins this fight because I don't want to. Yeah, that's there. that's why I asked it that way. From the from the one aspect, a fighter is always a fighter. It doesn't matter. Think of it like this: when I say a fighter is always a fighter, let's go back to a one who fucking tries to roll out a hard attack. With a fucking back roller. Because, you know, that's a fighter being a fighter. Oh, it can't be that. Yeah. It's got to be something else. Vicente Luque is young enough to where, was it the damage he took in that fight from fucking Jeff Neal that caused that? 
or was it something else? Does he have an underlying medical issue? Yeah, he got knocked the fuck out in the third round against Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal's a bad motherfucker sometimes. And I say sometimes, not all the times, because but either way, he's also been on Lucas been on the losing end his last couple fights in the UFC. It wasn't just Jeff Neal. It was Bilal Muhammad. Fucking yeah, he squeaked one out against fucking Kiesa. But his last couple of fights have been fucking bad where he just doesn't look like the Vicente Luque that we were used to seeing. To be honest, in my own head, this is a combat sport. You take shots to the fucking head. That's how you get knocked out. You get hit in the head. Guess you can get knocked out from a liver shot, but it's not the same. I... I don't know what his scan showed after the fight. So I can't say that the brain bleed was caused because of a head injury, whether it was from the traumatic blow to the head, the TBI or whatever the fuck it is, or if he had some sort of underlying medical condition. But if they're continuing to do scans over and over and over, I'm inclined to think that there was an underlying medical issue that they were looking out for or trying to rule out that he didn't have. Right. So to be honest, I hope that those doctors who gave him the approval and the go ahead, that's a year cleared to fight. I hope for Vicente Luque's fucking just for his fucking safety sake, that if he gets knocked out this weekend, he doesn't fucking die because of a brain bleed because some doctor decided it was okay to release it. To be honest, with a brain bleed at that point, I think you kind of fall into that whole same category as fucking, uh, what's his fucking name? Old caved in head. Cyborg. Yeah, cyborg. There you go. Yeah. The original, yeah, the, the other cyborg. Yeah, the other cyborg, the male variety, not female. Robert Santiago. Yeah. Um, the thing, it kind of falls into that cyborg category where you have that kind of head injury or something like that you have a brain bleed that can be completely life-altering not just um from the fucking cognitive sense but physically is he all is he all there upstairs with having that brain bleed i mean don't get me wrong there are a lot of uh elderly folks that get brain bleeds because they slip and fall but that's because they're on fucking blood thinners a young man who's in the fight game is not on blood thinners. You can't be on blood thinners and fight. So that's a death one. But it does make you wonder what's going on in there, whether it was actually the knockout that did it or did he have an underlying medical issue? Either way, I don't envy being those doctors, and I hope for his sake that he doesn't get knocked out. I hope RDA is nice enough to choke the shit out of him. Right. I agree with what TJ just said there at the end. Like, uh, that's exactly how I feel about it. I, I feel like RDA is going to win this fight no matter how it goes. Luke's looked pretty bad in his last few fights, but away from the fight side of things, that when I heard this fight's still going on and then this news came out, I'm like, why? A fighter is a fighter. Yeah, I mean, we, we are all men here on this podcast, right? We're all a little stubborn, you know? 
we're set in our own ways. We don't want somebody telling us what to do. We want to live our fucking life the way we want to live it. I get all that. God damn, man. I don't want to see a dude ever be killed in the octagon. That's another big thing for me. You hear about a brain bleed and shit like that, an actual hemorrhage in the brain that was probably caused from that knockout by Jeff Neal, but more so not just the specific knockout. I feel like, you know, the time in the fight game. All the fights that he's been through, all the wars, all the damage that he's taken overall. I'm scared for the man, you know, more worried for the guy's health. That's how I felt about Tony Ferguson, you know, going into that damn fight against Bobby Green here. We had heard that news about him having a DUI and then hear an announcement that he's getting a damn fight. So, wait, wait, what the fuck's going on here? No, no, Tony needs to get his shit together if he's going crashing his truck, flipping his truck, potentially losing his own damn life because he's getting drunk. Maybe there's a deeper problem there. We should worry about that instead of trying to give him another fight. I feel the same thing with Luke uh, here, but like we said, like I said, we're all men. We kind of understand that. You know, you can only do so much to help your brothers out, your friends out, whether your family, whatever, you know, as coaches, teammates, people close to them. Some people probably tried whispering to them or you may be yelling at them. Hey, you probably shouldn't be doing this shit anymore. You're probably better off to stop. I don't think things are going to go good for I just hope this has been my mentality. Probably what I'll say in main focus, talking about the fight on our podcast tomorrow morning. I just hope both guys wind up coming out of this healthy. I would love to see a five-round war between these two because we know the potential of both guys. They're tough as fucking nails. They can go out there and throw down crazy 25-minute striking battle. It would be fun as hell to watch as a fight fan. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see either guy win. And that's the other thing I think is cool about this weekend's main event. Like them both. Don't care which one wins, whether we get a finish, whether we get a war. I feel like as fight fan, we're going to win it out of this one. As long as these guys are healthy at the end of it. They can be bloody and battered, but then we don't need any internal bleeding. Right. As long as everybody's good after the fact, I'll be happy. That's the biggest thing I'm worried about. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely agree with that. And and that's exactly why I, I phrased the question the way that I did here. This is one of the few main events we've had in a long time where genuinely I'm I'm not gonna be upset either way this one shakes loose. Either either man deserves a good win here. My concern in this fight is, is more so like you said, the the well being of both the fighters once this fight ends, because we know that aside from a fighter being a fighter, both of these guys are, are great prime examples of sometimes you can be too tough for your own fucking good. And we know that both of these dudes have that potential as well, obviously. So yeah, I, I think that is the right way. I think we just hope for a great fight and I hope that everybody comes out on the other end of it as well as can be expected in a prize fight. <laughs> but that is what we have got for this particular episode. If you are here on YouTube catching this live on video, we thank you for tuning in. If you are catching an all audio format in the playback, we thank you as well. If you like what we do here, 
please make sure you give us a thumbs up. You are subscribed and your notifications are turned on so you do not miss an episode. On the other side of that coin, if you do not like what we get up to around here, first and foremost, what the fuck are you still doing this deep into a podcast you didn't enjoy? Give us a thumbs down and then go fuck yourself. We won't even dispute it. That being said, when things wrap up here Thursday night, that's not the end of it because tomorrow morning and pretty much every Friday morning when there's good shit to talk about, that handsome some bitch over there and his hetero life may have their own podcast, the Slow Bacon Contemplate podcast over on Spreaker.com. Their links are down in the description as well as their social media and the link to their very own channel on the I'm No Joe Discord server, which link is also down in the description and has been scrolling across the bottom. So don't miss their show tomorrow. Catch those boys. Appreciate you, brother. The fun doesn't ever fucking stop. You know, once we swing around back to next week, the best day of the week, hump day, you got the brother golf team vapes tuning in around 9 o'clock, 9.30, every fucking Wednesday night. You got the foggy fairway. The brothers fucking do some nice mixes, show you some recipes, play around with some, some vape stuff, you know, just chill, talk, have a good time. Make sure you hop in, show some love every Wednesday night on that foggy fairway. I'm sure all the links down in the description as well, just like mine were. Make sure you show the brothers some fucking love. Thank you, sir. Now, if you're not aware of what the meter does do outside of Kiki Punches, I can tell you what the meter will be doing tomorrow night. He'll be watching Dodson and Dodson fighting in BKFC. But if you want to find out what else he does other than just watching the fights, you can go down below. Link tree slash the meter does many things. Click on that link there, and that will take you to all of the things that the meter does do. There are many things there. Again, that's link tree slash the meter does many things to find out all of the many things that the meter does do. Thank you very much for that, sir. Much appreciated. Uh, now... For season nine, if things go correctly, I do intend on most Fridays to be streaming a little bit of video games. We did play a couple of games of Rocket League a couple of weeks ago with Golf Tee over there. Uh, this particular Friday, we are probably not going to be doing a video game. I say probably there is a chance, but between Dodson versus Dodson over on BKFC and then our very own show friend Adam Polarchik's birthday is this week, was this Wednesday. His party is tomorrow night. There are going to be some live music over on his YouTube channel, link also in the description. So keep an eye over there. Depending on how late he runs playing live music over there, we may or may not be live tomorrow night. Just keep your eyes peeled. It'll be a fun time either way. That being said, that is all we've got for this particular episode. Thank you again for everybody tuned in. We're going to call it all for this one. So remember, boys and girls, until next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless it's Dana White. Fuck that guy.
Time.